Well, welcome, everyone. This is Chris Tubbs, president of the California Fire Chiefs Association. And today, um, I'm really honored to have our guest, uh, Chief Jeff Gilbert, uh, who is the fire chief for Williams Fire Protection Authority with us to talk about volunteer and combination departments. And uh, so with that, first of all, I'd like to welcome Jeff to the podcast today. Jeff, thanks for being here. Thank you, Chris. It's a, it's a pleasure. It's a real pleasure to be here. Well, I'm I'm really excited about talking about this topic. I think, you know, a lot of us who started in the fire service probably started out as volunteer firefighters. That's where we got our introduction to the fire service and sort of where our passion began. So um, I think there's probably a lot of agencies out there um, that don't know a whole lot about the uh, issues that our volunteer and our combinations are challenged with. So I'm real excited about talking about this and, you know, hopefully letting the audience learn some things that maybe they, they didn't know about um, agencies such as yours. But why don't we start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself and your career and then your agency? Well, I was uh, born and raised in Knights Landing, California in Yolo County. and um, got involved in the Knights Landing Volunteer or the Knights Landing Fire Protection District in 1982 as a volunteer. My dad uh, was a member there, had been one of the founding members in 1948, 1949 era. And actually my dad served until he was about 82 years old, uh, some 50, 56 years as, as a firefighter and uh, a board of commissioners. And uh, so I started in 1982. I was in agriculture all my life, uh, raised on a farm, stayed in the agricultural business and just loved the volunteer fire service. And uh, unfortunately, our little fire district had some um, politics and stuff. And uh, I was one of two assistant chiefs and I came to a uh, volunteer meeting in 1989 and they said, hey, guess what? You're the new chief. For some reason, I didn't say no, and, and I got together with uh, the other officers that were underneath me and said, hey, are we willing to take this on and, and move forward? And they said yes. So anyway, uh, I uh, took that on and was the volunteer fire chief in Knights Landing from 1989 until 2003. I'm very highly involved in uh, Yolo County Fire Chiefs Association, which is a, a proud member of. We did a lot of good things over the years. And uh, did a lot of networking uh, with fire chiefs like uh, Chief Fred Postel that was out of San Francisco and, and uh, with the city of West Sacramento and, and uh, Chief John Buchanan that was with uh, Woodland for years. And um, just really loved being in the management and stuff. And uh, on the other hand, it kind of hindered me wanting to go into the fire service because I, it, it hurt me where I couldn't just go apply and be a firefighter because I was a pretty vocal fire chief and, and wanted to move forward. So in, night, or in 2003, um, there was a opening up here at Williams and uh, I applied and uh, was hired in April of 2003. And uh, very, very similar to Knights Landing is a sense it was still a, an all fire uh, volunteer fire department um, but they were growing. They were uh, a lot bigger in population. I went from about a thousand population to uh, uh, six thousand in population, from a service area of about forty-one square miles to a service area of about four hundred or three hundred and forty square miles. And uh, so it was. It was a challenge coming in, learning about what uh, the Williams Fire Authority was about. Again, a little bit different from a fire district. We're a joint powers authority between the city of Williams and the Williams Fire Protection District. But uh, 
found out really quickly it was a very well-run organization prior to me uh, coming here, uh, thanks to Chief Mark Marshall, who was very, very involved in the fire service. And um, so it's, it's been a really good learning experience over the last 19 years. But one of the things I really found out is we're very independent. Um, I have my own financial officer. Uh, we basically get four, you know, four checks from the city a year, and four checks from the county, and we manage all of our own funds. So we're a little bit different uh, from that. But again, um, some of the big, big challenges this organization has had a, a community that went from about 3,000 to 6,000 in a matter of about 10 years, and then some substantial um, commercial growth. Um, our, our traffic on the on Interstate 5 and Highway 20 is just incredible in the growth of the amount of traffic that's been over the last few years. So when I started in 03, we were somewhere in the neighborhood of about 400 incidents a year. Uh, we're well over 1,000 now. Um, so that's been a big challenge. Um, uh, staffing is, is, you know, the, we've transitioned over to a combination department from full volunteer uh, started in 2007 with a benefit assessment that funded four positions. So I had one guy on shift 24-7. And then again, um, a year and a half ago, we were able to attain a safer grant. So we do have up to 2 staffing now. Still do have uh, about 34 volunteers in uh, the authority right now. So that's kind of where we're at right now and, and you know, moving on into the future. Well, you, you know, certainly touch on some things that I, that I think will be interesting to explore again, especially for those maybe who have not been exposed to volunteer or combination departments with, you know, regards to the challenges that you guys face relative to both your funding and the demand of services and the resources that you have. Right. So I'll want to jump into that in a second, but uh, with regards to the services that you guys provide, um, do you provide any uh, EMS services um, or anything like that? Is it strictly fire protection? Tell us a little bit more about the types of calls your folks respond to. Yeah, so we're a full service fire department uh, or fire fire authority. We respond to everything. First responder, unfortunately, even to our local nursing home. We're the first ones in. Um, and then uh, our, our county is, approximately only 21,000 people, about 1,250 square miles. But the big challenge on our EMS is we have one private ALS ambulance for 1,259 square miles. So um, when that ambulance is committed, we are looking at a minimum 30 to 45 minute arrival time for a neighboring mutual aid ambulance. And that's where it's starting, starting to put a big, big burden on our uh, volunteers. So they were used to coming into an incident, maybe committing 15 to 30 minutes. Uh, the call was over. They could get back to work or, or get back home to their families. And now all of a sudden we're looking at an hour uh, or better, greater. Um, we also, again, with Highway 5 and, and Highway 20 being the main uh, thoroughfare to Fort Bragg, we are seeing a tremendous amount of high-speed, high-impact um, crashes. Um, unfortunately, just here in the last about eight weeks, we've had, um, I think, eight fatalities within either my district or mutual aid that we've had to respond to. So we're seeing a huge increase of that. And one of the other unique things about our department and our county was about 10 years ago, the uh, agriculture industry that we have around us um, 
they were getting hampered by Cal OSHA over confined space regulations. And uh, one of the local rice um, producers came to me and they said, Chief, we need help. Uh, we need a confined space team. And I said, no, th- this, this isn't going to happen. It's expensive. It's uh, a lot of equipment. It's a lot of personnel to maintain and to move forward with. And I, I said, I don't think it can, it can be. And he goes, well, what if we come up with all the money? And you guys just do the training and, and do the team. And I said, well, let's have that conversation. So uh, he brought the industry together. And I believe this was about 2006, 2007. And the industry donated over $100,000 to the Calusa County Fire Chiefs Association for startup costs. And we currently have approximately 30 to 35 paid and volunteer confined space technicians. Um, we house all the equipment within uh, the William Fire Authority station, but it responds all uh, throughout Calusa County and uh, actually into neighboring counties such as Sutter and uh, Yolo County. And within about two years of establishing the confined space, we did respond down to a uh, incident down in Dunnigan in Yolo County and took us four hours to uh, get a guy out of a, a wheat silo. And that was a, a good outcome, a, a favorable outcome. He came out, he survived the incident. So that's kind of one of the things that uh, we really do uniquely in this county that a lot of people can't understand. And, and it's done with about 90% of them are volunteer responders that are on the confined space rescue team. So, so Jeff, with that, I know that, you know, obviously there's a, when it comes to volunteers and volunteer programs, there's sort of a, a whole swath of variants, right? There are some that are pure volunteer. There are some that are on-call paid. There are some that are paid by point systems, so on and so forth. How does it work for Williams Fire? Well, our volunteers are are strictly volunteers. Um, we uh, we do give them a couple of, of memberships, one in a uh, company called NASA, which is a supplemental air and ground ambulance membership. So if they're transported, the bill's completely paid. And then we do give a membership into the California State Firefighters Association. So other than that, that's pretty much what the authority does um, for the uh, volunteers. The volunteers do have a very strong association uh, where they do have monthly dinner meetings. Um, so that's a benefit to them in a sense. They come to a monthly dinner meeting uh, every six every six uh, months. The team They have teams that are split up and they have to cook and stuff. So that's kind of what we do for ours. Um, there's not a lot of other benefits. And, of course, we do do a lot of uh, statewide mutual aid. So there's a benefit there. Their training and response requirements, they could be put on for uh, responding to out-of-county um, incidences. And, again, uh, when they do that, they are uh, compensated uh, through the uh, California uh, State Fire or the fire assistance agreement. And uh, then we also do a lot of station coverage with Cal Fire. So if they're on an engine up at Cal Fire, they're reimbursed for their time up there. Yeah. Yeah, it strikes me, again, as we uh, chatted just before starting the podcast, you know, I I started um, in the fire service as a volunteer. And, you know, one of the things that that, uh, I noticed is that a lot of the folks who, you know, get into that, you know, do so out of a, a certainly a passion for service and a, and a, and a passion for the fire service, not just serving the community. Um, 
And, you know, hearing that, that again, you know, there are programs still in the, in the U.S. that, uh, you know, people are still doing this, you know, for uh, essentially for free, um, especially given the demands today where a lot of, of homes and families are double income, right, in order to pay the bills. And so, yet, this is what one more demand, you know, on um, community members uh, who volunteer to do this kind of thing. And I think that's uh, that's pretty remarkable. And and so I guess that's kind of a great segue to the next question, which is with those kinds of programs, what are some of the challenges that, you know, at least you are facing and maybe some of the other um your other fellow chiefs who run similar organizations, what are some of those challenges that you're facing today? And then how, how are you navigating them? Well, I think a lot of the challenges are, are uh, some of the things what you said earlier is two, uh, two households that are having to work for income. Um, we've seen a, uh, a, a change in our cultural of our communities. The, um, the the community of Williams or the city of Williams, we're probably somewhere in the 80% Hispanic. We have a lot of farm labor um, people, uh, some great people, but they don't have the time uh, to commit to things like this. Um, and it's, we find that it's not just the fire service. Uh, it's our local uh, lodges have disappeared. Uh, the Masonic Lodge, uh, all those different groups, all these civic groups have disappeared because everybody is just so busy in life. Um, again, when when I came into it, I, I came into it because my dad was in it and my dad committed to it. And, and he told me, if you're going to do this, this is a commitment. This isn't something you're just going to do for a few years. So our, our group here in Williams, we have the ones that come in and, and there are some that are are very highly committed and you see that in their stats and their training. And we have others that are highly committed that are wanting to get into the fire service. So uh, again, I think a, a lot of my uh, partners out there in combination and, and uh, volunteer departments are going to say the same thing. A lot of these kids are wanting to come in. They want to get a fire service career and their first step is Cal fire. And uh, nothing against that. It, it's great. We do lose them for, uh, you know, four to five months out of the year. Um, but that's one of the things that I really hit hard on them with is don't ever forget where you started. Come back to your roots. So if you're going to go to work for Cal Fire for five months, that's great. But you've got seven months that you can come back and really, really commit to my organization and our volunteers and, and keep that. That's one thing that really benefited us, I guess, in a, in a sense. We actually run a Cal Fire Academy here in Williams. We've been doing it for seven years. We're going into year eight. Um, but it is. The, the challenges do lie on there is just not that commitment to small communities anymore. Um, I think it is um, a generational thing. I think that we're starting to see a, a whole different generational, be it technology or whatever, that, that's changing things. Um, and and people are going to have to adjust to that. Um, we have had a lot of uh, people move from Vacaville Fairfield up here, and uh, there's very few of them that get involved in the community. They just want to live here. They want to sleep here. They want to go back to their jobs in their community. So we don't, you know, we don't get a lot of them that get involved. 
Um, even to the point that we used to go out and, and the volunteers used to go out and solicit um, for different fundraisers. And those people didn't even want you knocking on their door. You know? So a lot, lot of challenges with that. Um, you know, we've, we've looked at a lot of different things to try to be creative. We did get a safer grant uh, several years ago that was for vo- uh, volunteer benefits and uh, retirement. And so we did that on a point scale and it was a four year grant that they could earn up to $150 a month into a 401k. And you know what? It started off gangbusters, man. That first year we saw increase, man. People were showing up more to calls and training and stuff. And then all of a sudden it started to die off and it was, was the old dogs that had been here forever that were at the top. And they just kept maintaining and maintaining, and it was the younger generation. And I, I had a, a neighboring chief from a, about a half an hour north of me here a while back. We had the same conversation. He says, Chief, if I get five years out of any more, I'm happy. And for me, that's it's tough to swallow because um, – the Williams Department, we do have a thing called uh, uh, exempt after 10. If they come in and they serve 10 years, they can go exempt as a volunteer. And all that means is, is basically they're a retired fireman here for life. And they can come to our events and they can participate, but they don't got to come to calls and training. So, you know, we have seen some of them that just do their 10 years. But currently right now, of my 34 volunteers that I have, um, probably half of them, are past that 10 years. So they've been here and they seem to still be committed. You know, I have a couple of volunteers that are going on about 35 years of service. Wow. Well, and I think, you know, you, you keyed on something that I think that affects, you know, all fire service agencies uh, and not just in the state of California, but as, as we're seeing, you know, upwards of five generations in the fire service at one time, you know, versus say 40 years ago where it really was baby boomers, right? Um, and it was one generation. And now we're beginning to see sort of the, those challenges that are associated with that. But, you know, you and I were chatting, of course, just a little bit before the podcast and, and, um, I was curious to hear a little bit more about the impacts for you and organizations like yours when we talk about regulatory changes, right? Whether it's, you know, regulations around uh, training requirements or regulations around uh, PPE or any of those kinds of things, you know, for for us in, you know, full-time organizations, you know, we have to find ways to sort of navigate that through the, through the budget. But I think in, in volunteer combinations, this is even, even more challenging uh, because to your point, you know, if you have the funding to, to even implement those, if you have high turnover with people, that problem is only further compounded. But I'm curious, you know, what are some of the other things like that that, that you think are kind of unique for our volunteer and combo departments? And, and how do you guys kind of navigate that? You know, that that is a, a big challenge for, for, you know, some of these. I, I have two districts within Calusa County that their base budget is less than $40,000 a year. You know, yes, they might only run, 50 calls or a hundred calls, but where, where do you draw the line? Uh, you have to have these guys protected. You have to have gear on them. Uh, you have to have, you know, a certain amount of equipment. And again, if, if we go back and look at some of the laws and standards, I guess 
you can say that a, a volunteer department can basically say we're going to be a defensive fire firefighting department only as far as the respiratory protection and some of that. Um, but again, it, what happens when you have an incident that you have the potential to try to save somebody's life and if you're not totally up on it, you know. So those are big things. I know our, our neighboring county to the north, too, is the same type of thing, you know, very limited. Um, as I made mention earlier, uh, I just saw a, an email with regarding PPE that now the state of California, we're looking at staying to the NFPA standards on the 10 years. Um, you know, there's a lot of these volunteer fire departments that won't even have a structure fire in 10 years. So they've got to have a, you know, we're looking at minimum three to $5,000 a set, you know, and they have a budget of $30,000. That's, that's a tough, tough test challenge, you know, uh, yet just reliability. And then you look at, okay, how do they replace a fire engine? You know, we have departments that are have fire engines that are 40, 45 years old, and they're just trying to maintain them. So a, a lot of huge problems that I think uh, we as a group need to work on. And again, as I may mentioned prior to going on a podcast with you is uh, groups like Cal Chiefs, uh, Fire Districts Association. We, we need to get together and, and really hit on the state and make them understand, um, you know, what some of these departments um, are going through. Um, you know, we, we hear the, the old saying ERAF, you know, that affected even the smallest of the smallest departments. Uh, we hear Prop 172, you know, Prop 172 was sold on the back of the fire departments and very few small counties give the fire agencies any money. Um, what are we going to do to change that? How are we going to move, move this forward? You know, we're talking about rural areas. We're not talking about something that a city is going to go annex or we're going to make a county fire department that it's not feasible. You know, our our county in Calusa, our stations are approximately 10 miles apart. That's generally what every station is, is about 10 miles apart. And, and some of them are 40 miles mm-hmm. and you know, consolidation and stuff like that. It, it's not going to work if you don't still have the volunteers there. And again, most of them are seeing the, the problem is the aging volunteers. You know, I have one department that their average age is probably 60. They have no young people in their community and they have nobody moving into the area. Uh, so what is going to happen? We've, we've already seen some challenges with them just here in the last few months of having to, you know, go up. So it is, I always say we, the volunteer and combination departments have the same problems as all the large municipalities, we just have it on a little bit smaller scale, but we need to all figure out together how we can help solve these issues. Yeah. And I I think, you know, as you're saying that, you know, I sort of reflect and I don't know what the current stat is, but, you know, traditionally we've, I think we've all been raised sort of with the understanding that in the United States, about 80% of the fire departments are volunteer, volunteer combo. And when you when I think about that, at least, and I, you know, think about some of the challenges that um, agencies like yours and the fire service as a whole even are experiencing, it seems to me that in the communities that rely on the volunteer uh, programs or some form of that with combination, 
um, this, the challenge is even greater, right? The impact, the, the, the scale or scope of the challenge is even greater. As, as you say, you know, a lot of your folks, um, are getting up there in years. And if we have folks who are either, um, unwilling or unable to participate in being in, in a, in a, a um, in a fire department in their local community, that community service, which used to be a big draw, um, that, that strikes me as that's, that, that is a, a problem on the horizon might be a good way for us to put it. And I agree. Um, and I think we'll talk about that a little bit later in the podcast is, is that how do we, uh, kind of leverage the California fire service as a whole, uh, to benefit, um, our agencies that, you know, uh, have some of these challenges because they serve, um, areas where the, the tax funding is not there to have full-time firefighters. So how do, how do we support them? Which, you know, again, kind of another a great way to maybe get into the next set of questions, which is really around if, what do you think is you, where you sit today with your experience? What do you think the future looks like for our volunteer and combo um, agencies? Uh, unfortunately, I, I just see it getting, I, I don't see it getting any better in the near future, uh, again, without some collaborative effort. Um, again, I came from Yolo County that was very, very strong based volunteers and I still stay in contact with them. And, and there's a lot of departments down there struggling. And again, uh, you realize that in the North state and the central Valley and up this I five corridor, um, a lot of stuff was always agriculture based. So all of the local farmers and all their employees, sometimes they were even forced to be on fire departments, you know, even if they didn't want to be, they had to be part of it. So we've seen a huge change uh, away from that. And, um, and then again, the next challenge is, is we look at uh, uh, the generational change that is going on right now. When, did you ever hear a large paid fire department even having problems with recruiting? Um, again, I had a conversation with the Stockton fire chief the other day. They opened applications up for EMT firefighter and had 250 in, in a week. Normally that would have been a thousand. So the other thing that we're seeing on the volunteers and the combination side is, are these guys, going in and wanting to get into the career. And once they get into the career, we lose them as their volunteers. So it, it's, uh, there seems to just be a less interest in our society lately, um, especially since the pandemic, uh, as far as getting in, you know, the number of firefighter EMTs, the firefighter medics, it seems like they're having challenges even on the paid staff. So if they're having challenges, you can only imagine what, what we're seeing on the volunteers. Yeah. <clears throat> and again, um, we, you know, even my department, we struggle from that 10 o'clock at night till six in the morning because a lot of people, um, you know, they'll just go, well, I, I've got to sleep because I've got to go to work tomorrow. And, and I, we never thought about it that way growing up. We listen to the pager 24 7 and I think another thing, technology has hurt us because everybody's got phone alerting systems now and pagers are kind of going away. So guys don't want to even listen to the pagers. So they'll shut their phones off. Um, we actually still use an air raid siren. And there's one thing about when that siren goes off, 
if they don't have a phone or a pager, they have to come up to the fire station to figure out what the call is. <laughs> and that kind of, it, 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 it kind of sounds funny because it's prehistoric, but it works because if they don't know what the incident is, they've got to come out and investigate it. And they they want to know what's going on then. But when you have all this technology, it's like screening a phone call. Oh, I don't want to talk to that individual now. So they hear this call and go, well, I don't want to go to that. And then that can be the downside sometimes to having the combination staffing because it comes down to that imagine, oh, let the paid, paid guy handle the call. Let the paid guy handle it. They get paid to do it. Let them go handle it. So that, that's a, a big, huge challenge. And that's, that's always been a, a challenge here at Williams. But it was one that when we started going down the path of, of crossing the combination line, the volunteer association was well involved in it. They knew what was going on. They knew the statistics that night calls were, you know, the chief was going to them by himself 90% of the time and that there needed to be a change. And I think the, the communications is, of course, the biggest thing. How, how are we going to make sure everybody's happy and keep these things together? Um, but I, I don't see it getting better anytime soon. And I don't think that money is everything. I think that it's generational. And, and I'm hoping that we can get back into some of these young, younger individuals uh, about being proud of their communities, being part of their communities. Uh, I, I think we even see that on the national level on just voting anymore. We'll see where next Tuesday goes and how many people vote. But I talk to so many of my young guys and it's like, they just don't care. Um, I, I had an, a, a younger individual that was, that had received a, a uh, reimbursement for approximately $49 and he lost the check. And my financial officer came in and, and asked him, Hey, where did that check go? And his answer was, well, it was only $49. And I, I said, Hey, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. That's <laughs> you didn't, you know, that you spent, that you, that you didn't have what? And it, it's just like, I don't know. There's nothing important to him. And serving and, and being a part of your community, especially these small communities, is disappearing greatly. And, and again, it's community events, uh, be it a Halloween night or a, a community parade or what. They're just disappearing. But do you think that social media has had an impact on that? Again, I think, you know, to your point, um, one of the thing, one of the draws certainly was, my experience into, you know, serving um, on your fire department as a volunteer or even a, you know, paints, points reimbursed um, firefighter part paid auxiliary, all the different terms that are out there was really the sense of not only serving the community, but the social aspect, right? Is that you were a group with other people who shared a passion. Um, and, you know, t- today we see, you know, uh, what, what seems to be, and we deal with this in my community in trying to get neighbor, even neighbors talking to neighbors, you know, around the whole concept of preparedness and building community resiliency. And I find myself wondering, you know, what impact has social media had, you know, ironically, to, you know, it, it, its motivation is to create social connections. And, and I can't help but wonder if it has not had the, the opposite effect. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think it's created an opposite effect. Um, I myself do very little of it. Um, our, our uh, 
fire authority does none of it. Um, the volunteers do do a little bit of social media and stuff. But I, I think, yeah, that it's had a, a negative effect because, again, it's kept those people from coming out and, and talking face-to-face with individuals and, and meeting and greeting. You know, if you're, you have a new neighbor, you go over and you introduce yourself, and it does none of that seems to happen. And I mean, that used to be a big thing, you know, um, in in small communities. You know, you don't even hear things about neighborhood watch anymore. We keep talking about crime and all this crime and bad things happening, but we're, we don't even hear that word neighborhood watch anymore. I had two of my young firefighters a year ago, and we were up staffing a Cal Fire Station, and I actually was playing the engineer for the day. And we did our, our deals for training and stuff all day and had dinner and we were sitting down watching TV and I noticed they were texting. And pretty soon I looked over and I noticed one would text, the other would text. <laughs> one would text. And I finally turned on and I says, don't mean you're texting each other. And they looked at me. And I immediately told them to shut their phones off and put them away and that they were going to be taught some life skills. Um, that, you know, you guys are interested in the fire service. You want a job in the fire service. I go, do you think you are going to do your job interview texting with somebody? And they just, they didn't get it. They just, they kind of chuckled. And I said, no, I'm, I'm serious. And we had to have those serious conversations to the point that, hey, you need to put your phones away. We're, we're here to work. So I think that, that some of this, the phones and technology it has, it, it has hurt us bad. You know, there, there's some good things to it, too. You know, emergency alerts. And when things, emergencies are happening, you look at, at PG&E and power shutoffs, all those great things for social media. But for interaction amongst ourselves, it, it's terrible. Um, my assistant chief fights with this every day with our younger guys. You know, uh, this fire department here... Um, was very male, male cultural, put it that way. And it wasn't until about five years ago that they even uh, allowed a female on this department. They used to vote on them. The volunteers would vote. And finally, we just said, hey, we, we've got to get away from that. The authority actually is the employer here. And it's been a good transition. We've had, uh, had some great, great transitions. And, and, and cultural with Hispanics, too. It used to be a very white male uh, organization. And it has transitioned, and, and, and everybody has done a great job in getting along. But I think that it is one of the huge challenges is, is just the, uh, the newer generation, how they were raised. Uh, you know, they laugh at us when, you know, they – my guys, if they're not going to attend a training or, or a social function with the association, they, they have to notify their command staff. And if they don't, they get penalized. We still have a fine schedule for the volunteers. They'll get fined a buck or two here and there. And it's so it, it, it's incredibly disturbing that with today's technology, all they have to do is text somebody, and they still can't do that. I mean, we tried to explain to them we used to have to go to this thing called a phone that had a rotary and, and <laughs> hope somebody was home. And so so even though the technology is there, it, it's it's just like it's about them. It's not about the whole organizations anymore and everybody getting together and, and uh, you know, 
doing things as a grouping. Well, that, that's probably a, a topic for a whole separate podcast, right? Of the changes in our society around that sense of community and, and uh, you know, kind of the nowadays it seems more of, you know, promoting self. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, Jeff, you and I talked a little bit about, uh, again, before the podcast, you know, some of the challenges that, you know, you're facing. Um, and I shared with you that, you know, in the recent planning session for Cal Chiefs, um, we had a discussion about um, our adopted vision, which talks about being the voice of the California Fire Service. And, and of course, you know, we don't have a lot of um, representation on Cal Chiefs from our volunteer organizations and our combo organizations. And, and I, I think, you know, me personally, um, I think we, we need to. I think we need to have a lot more outreach, whether that's creating a new section or what it is. But from, from your perspective, and this is a question I, I've, I've asked a lot of people when we talk about, you know, again, being this voice or bringing value, right? Why do people join Cal Chiefs? And I think about it, if I was in your shoes, I'd say, you know, what does Cal Chiefs bring me? I might have a hard time identifying the value. So how, how could Cal Chiefs, you know, sort of provide, um, value to organizations like yours? What does that look like? Especially given, you know, the challenges that you're, that you're facing. How, how could Cal Chiefs maybe help support, um, our volunteer and combo departments better than we have? Well, again, I, I think Cal Chiefs has done a great job, and, and again, in, in conjunction with some of the stuff that fire districts, and I really think it, it, in just the last year or two, I know I've been engaged a lot more, and, and we're starting to see a, a broader perspective of this is a, a not just a paid department problem. It, it, it is everybody. Um, some of the stuff that we're working on, and again, the biggest thing is is generally funding. You know, most of the departments are going to look at, you know, um, Again, we get put state mandates on and, and these rising costs. But what have the state done to help help support us? And I think that's some of the you know chiefs can as a voice work. Um, you know the just the uh, some of the conferences as, as I I've seen over the years start to expand to to look at you know, other things that, that it do include some of the volunteers and, and uh, uh, smaller districts. But the biggest thing is, is and I'm, I'm no better than some of the others, uh, you can't complain unless, you, you know, you need to be engaged. And um, I got engaged in, in the California State Firefighters Association several years ago, sat on the board for a few, for a few years, had some differences on some stuff, um, their visions wasn't, you know, what I wanted to get accomplished as far as for the, the authority and stuff. So that's when I started looking at, at fire districts, fire chiefs, and then was asked to sit on the fire scope board representing volunteers. And so, you know, I've had this conversation with some of my neighbors lately, and I said, you know, we, we've all got to get together and get on this same page uh, and, and work together. If, if you guys are going after your county to discuss 172 money, let's say, okay, and I know one neighboring county is trying very hard right now, I go, there's others out there that have done it and accomplished it. And I guarantee you can find them through networking, through Cal Chiefs or fire districts. So it's, it's information like that, you know, on what, what 
things have been successful that I think we need to get out there and keep sharing um, with our, our smaller organizations. I know that a lot of them will say, well, I don't have time to, to commit to this or I don't have time to go to these meetings. Well, again, it's no different than what we're doing here today in this podcast. It's really simple now to get on a Zoom meeting and be engaged. I know I had a couple of neighboring fire chiefs uh, uh, on the last FDAC um, video conference, and I said, get engaged. You don't have to talk. Sit and listen. Exorb, because you guys are the younger leaders that are going to be coming up, and we need you. You know, we need you to get engaged. Um, you know, and again, I think then the, the biggest thing for, you know, like fire districts and, and uh, Cal Chiefs is um, – for the volunteer and the, and the really co- small combinations is just make the uh, annual dues affordable. I think that's probably one of the biggest things. Somebody will say, you know, hey, it's $400. That's a lot of money for us. Um, so we just, we've got to be very flexible um, when we're looking at dues. And we know it, it's, it's expensive to, to do business in California and that, that's part of it, but we've got to be um, very grateful for it. Um, you know, I know there's been a lot of uh, changes with the California State Firefighters Association and, and be it people agree or not, but I still think it's all one voice. You know, the, the they've done a lot in getting some grants and stuff to help promote training, and it's not just for volunteers. It's for everybody. They were just in Placer County uh, last weekend doing live training. Um, I think that, that you know, Cal Chiefs, we should be getting that in there too. Help, help support formation. Other small departments know what's going on or how they can get linked over here to um, uh, CSFA, who, who has a grant right now that will buy turnouts for new volunteers and will provide NFPA physicals for new volunteers. But a lot of people don't understand, maybe don't understand that organization. Is there something else that Cal Chiefs and some of the other organizations can do to to link link these people together. You know, as you're as you're saying that, I'm 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 reflecting back many years ago when uh, Congressman Kurt Weldon started the Congressional Fire Caucus, and one of the things yeah. that uh, he said was he said, you know, the fire service if it could unite is an incredibly powerful political force. And I think that's true. I think sometimes, you know, we're our own worst enemies. Uh, we can, you know, be divisive on issues. And I think, you know, where we can, you know, work together, uh, and I'll, I'll use the relationship with, you know, Cal Chiefs and FDAC or Cal Chiefs and CPF as examples is, you know, we have a very strong working relationship with both of those groups. And, you know, we, we have the dialogue and we understand where, you know, we're going to, one group might engage and the other may not, or might even be in opposition, but how we, how we can take those positions out of respect, um, talk through those issues, but, you know, be focused on the fire service as a whole, um, and, and try and work, um, from that angle, as you and I were chatting about, you know, I'd much rather be in the driver's seat than in the passenger seat. Change is coming. It's just where you're sitting in the car. Um, and so yeah. I think where we can partner together, um, um, uh, you know, across all of these issues, like you say, they don't affect just volunteer departments. They don't affect just full-time departments. So a lot of these issues that we're all facing. And so if we can come together and coordinate, you know, it can be pretty, uh, a pretty powerful uh, political force. Certainly we still enjoy, 
you know, a lot of trust and respect from the communities. I, I certainly don't take that for granted. I think we have to invest in that bank every day. Uh, but, you know, we're one of the few government agencies that still seems to have some level of respect with our communities. And so we can we can certainly leverage that. You bet. You know, and, and it was interesting, you know, over the last uh, couple of fire scope board meetings, um, Director Garaducci, you know, even addressed it. He said, you know, what, what is our problem? You know, and where is this mutual aid system going? Um, we used to be able to put a thousand engines on the road in the state of California. This was up to about probably five years ago. Um, yes, we've had some of the worst fire seasons in the last couple of years, but the last two years, these terrible fire seasons, uh, I believe Chief Marshall told us that there was only like 600 engines. We're down 400 engines in the state of California. Now, this isn't just um, volunteers. This is both, you know, paying and volunteers. But I know uh, for being a, a an alternate at uh, Region 3 uh, with a Cal OES, it is our volunteers. Um, you know, we used to be able to get a strike team out of Calusa County by ourselves. We can't do that anymore. We've got a partner with Sutter or Yuba, uh, Glen County. Um, so we've lost huge numbers of, of volunteers and strike teams just, uh, um, you know, in the system. Now, part of that uh, is because employers, uh, even though there is a, a somewhat of a employment law that, that prohibits employers from discriminating against volunteers, um, a lot of volunteers, you know, if they take the week off, their employer is not going to pay them. Well, if they don't have paid vacation, they can't afford to take that week off. Yeah. So I think, uh, there's there's a lot of issues, and I know that that Director Garaducci, I, I believe, is uh, set a uh, a workshop for Ventura in uh, April of two, 2023 to discuss this and discuss the mutual aid system. And again, I'm going to bring all the op area coordinators together and, and everybody else that wants to be involved. And I think it's going to be some great conversation uh, to see where we go in the future. You know, as we sort of um, wind down on the the podcast, certainly want to respect your your time, and we've covered a number of different areas. I'm sure we could go into a bunch more, but um, if there's something that you wanted to sort of leave the listeners with, maybe that we've not talked about, what what would that be? Uh, I, I don't know if there's anything else. We, we we've touched on a lot of good things, but. I think the number one thing for me with the, the smaller volunteer and combination departments is be engaged, get engaged with your County. If it's just County government or through your operational area coordinator, know what's going on in the state. It doesn't matter how small or how big you are. It's all affecting us. We know that everything that's been going on with state EMSA has affected the fire service not just all the paid departments that are running ambulances, but it's, it's affecting everybody. Um, we have a paramedic crisis. That's what I call it. I am talking to neighboring counties that are down to running BLS ambulances with a paramedic supervisor because they don't have staffing. Um, so the only way that we're going to, to, to try to fix these things is to be aware of what's going on and be engaged and get involved with groups like Cal Chiefs and fire, uh, fire districts or whatever group there is. But uh, I, I would say that's my number one priority to tell people, 
get engaged. Well, and I appreciate you spreading that word because I think, you know, again, it certainly is an area that Cal Chiefs is investing, you know, time and energy in right now is, is recognition of there are um, fire service family members out there that we could do a better job of engaging with and support and, again, bringing everyone under that umbrella. And I think, you know, later on this year, you know, maybe you and I can connect again and we can kind of check in and give everyone kind of an update where we're at. You know, did we create a section in Cal Chiefs and what are some of the issues, you know, that the volunteer groups brought forward? Were we able to, you know, facilitate any positive change um, as a result of those kinds of things? So I think, you know, this is all good stuff. It starts with a conversation, right? We have to know what issues there are, what's broke. Can't fix it if we don't know what's broke. Um, so now we've had some discussion on some opportunities. And and uh, so I look forward to, you know, circling back later on. But Jeff, I really appreciate you making time today. Um, I enjoyed, um, you know, the last fire scope meeting it was a, a, a fascinating meeting. I was talking to Chief Fennessy this morning and, and uh, we were having a little of an update on the uh, California Alert wildfire um, camera issue. And we got a chuckle out of that, that presentation as, as you remember. But again, I, I really, really appreciate you taking time, uh, to share with us, um, about not only your agency, but what our volunteer and combo agencies are being challenged with today. And I look forward to, you know, the work hopefully we're going to be able to do this next year. And I just really appreciate the work that folks like you do in the communities and that, that are doing it for, you know, the sense of community service and for passion for the fire service. Yeah, no, I, I greatly appreciate meeting you at Firescope and, and getting engaged. I, I again and told Chief Meston that I've been going to do this for years. I was supposed to be at the conference this year, but I decided to go to Ennis, Montana. It was a like, lot more uh, beautiful and fun doing a little fishing. <laughs> but um, you know, that that's what we have to do. Uh, you know, is is we're in this thing together. You know, and uh, I always. I do believe in some of the stuff that Mark Garducci is always saying. He's, he, he always says one team, one fight. And uh, we do. Uh, voices speak very, uh, very loudly. I think that, uh, you know, Cal Chiefs really, really did that um, when we got the de-risk money put, to, put in there. And, again, I know things weren't going uh, really perfect, but uh, somebody found out that I had an avenue uh, into the the governor at the time, you know, and it uh, just kind of worked out, you know, and we were able to make some connections and that's how things are, you know, so greatly appreciate the time. It's been a, been a pleasure. And again, anything I can do to help the fire service in California, always here to try to take the challenge. Appreciate it and appreciate your service, Jeff. And we look forward to connecting again later. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chris. Thanks.